Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basile. Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm your host, Dr. Pat, joining you here as I do each week. And uh, really, really loving what's going on, what we're doing, and what so many people, people like me, are doing to shift and create a positive change in the world. I have been in touch with an amazing amount, uh, amount of people that are simply helping other people live life full out, pick themselves up, whatever is going on in their lives clearly are committed and dedicated to creating a positive shift, a positive change. And obstacles are, of course, part of the journey. And many of us understand what it means to be faced with the obstacles and and challenges. But I'm not quite sure if we have the same sense of what it means to be faced with critical challenges, things that are life and death-like. But my guest today knows quite a bit about that. You know, he's joining me here today as the author of the best-selling book, Crazy for the Storm, a memoir of survival. And this is, for me, this is, first of all, it's a fabulous book, keeps me on, kept me on the edge of my seat all, all along, and yet it's such a heartfelt story of learning how to survive, but more importantly, learning how to do it with such an incredible attitude of perseverance and I can-ness. And so my guest, Norman Olstad, is joining me here today as someone that has written this book, which is a story, a portrait of a father's and a son's love for each other, and beyond that, a bond and a connection that very few of us get to experience. So today, you're going to meet this incredible uh, young man, somebody who has taken the story of survival and put it into words that most people have difficulty even remembering. But today, we get to join him as he talks with us about what it meant to, to survive a tragic plane crash and then a life, a life with a dad who lived basically, as we say, full out. So let's welcome Norman to the show. Norman, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you know, this is the place that I want to start is in in a question that I I guess I ask so many people. Um, And I've read your book uh, and and just just amazed on how much you learned in such a short time in your young life. And I wanted to ask you, as you moved on from that point, how did you then overcome the obstacles and challenges that came up for you after that survival? Um, yeah, well, that was the most difficult part. Um, some of it is in the book, the, the immediate stuff right after the plane crash and so forth, um, with with the situation with my mom and her boyfriend, um, and and just trying to kind of fit back into my, my little society, my little peer group and so forth. Um, and then uh, actually working on a new book about you later in life and, and how, you know, the process kind of doesn't end. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I still applied 
the things that I learned from my father, um, basically, um, that passion, I think, has a lot to do with it. And um, having a passion, like surfing and skiing, could be anything. It could have been playing the cello or reading or anything. But those things kept me tapped into uh, joy and, and comp- self-confidence and gave me a kind of a, a view of life uh, that, that was you know, hopeful and just full of energy. And that helped me kind of fight off the grief and move through the grief and the pain enough to, um, you know, to go on and, and function. Mm. Let's let's go back to that that pain that you're referring to. For many of our listeners, they may not know much about your story. We're going to talk about um, what Norman has done. The book is called Crazy for the Storm, a memoir of survival. You know, let's go back for a moment, um, you know, on that day, that day where you got to experience one of the most tra- tragic um, events of your life. Uh, your father, uh, the pilot, a woman that we'll talk about in a minute, 30 years old, um, slammed right into an 8,600-foot mountain engulfed in a blizzard. Uh, and, and what then happened as that clock started to tick in the life of a young 11-year-old? Well, uh, I woke up from the impact, and I was still in my seat, but the seat was dislodged from the plane. And um, it was hard to put it all together right away, but um, there, there we were scattered. The four of us were kind of scattered across this north face in a blizzard mixed with fog and, and wind-driven snow. So um, it took me a while to first figure out that I wasn't dreaming. Uh, first I thought I was dreaming, and then once I sort of came to terms with the fact that, no, this is not a dream. I'm in an airplane crash. I've been, the plane has crashed. Um, I, I found the pilot's body first, and he was clearly dead, heavily damaged. And in moving around in the beginning, pieces of the plane kind of fell away from me into the fog, and so I, I quickly discerned that I was on a steep, icy slope. So I had to be very careful because I didn't want to go down down that slope with those pieces of the plane. Then I found Sandra. She was still alive. Uh, she had a dislocated shoulder and a wound in her head. And then um, circled back and found my father, who was uh, nearby, actually, where I had begun. He was near my seat. I just didn't see him at first with all the, with all the fog and wind and stuff. And... Um, well, you know, uh, I touched my father. I tried to wake him up. Um, he was folded over in this seated position, and um, I couldn't wake him up. And uh, that's the first moment I thought, okay, now he can't help me anymore. Oh. The guy who, who, you know, I went skiing and surfing with from the day I was born and um, was my hero and sort of showed me the way and seemed invincible, and now he was gone. So uh, it, was a, it was a moment. Um, I didn't admit that he was dead, but I, I, I felt that he, you know, I think he wasn't going to be able to help me. So, um, 
you know, the, the moment where I had to sort of, on my own, mm. solve this this problem, get through this this uh, big obstacle, as you would say. Um, How much of a relief was it for you, Norman, to know that Sandra was still alive at that point? Oh, honestly, that didn't. That, what that was not necessarily in my thinking. You not, went right into, not. you kicked right into, okay, we've got to do something mode, right? Yeah, I, I wasn't um, having somebody else there uh, aside from my father, I guess. I mean, I, I had no, I have no memory of a, of a kind of decision that way. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it was just kind of, she was hysterical most of the time and, um, you know, very upset and disoriented. So, um, you know, she she was somebody that um, I was sort of looking after. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, having, I guess, a sound, a human voice felt good. I remember on the descent, she slipped and died. And, and yep. I remember then having some time where, you know, you're just in on the side of this mountain crawling down and it's just the wind and kind of missing her. I called it her mumbo jumbo. She was talking a lot in this kind of scared voice. Um, so that's when I noticed it. But at, at, at the first, I didn't have a reaction to that. When you when you decided, Norman, to to sit down and say, uh, you know, okay, I'm going to write this book, and you were able to reflect back on your life and this event, what was that process like for you? Well, my my son was uh, somewhere between five and six years old, and um, we we had been doing the same things I did with my father, going skiing and surfing, often in the same places for a year or two at that point. And the stories of my grandpa and I came up, and um, I shared them with my son, and he asked questions about his, his grandpa, uh, my father, I should say. <laughs> and... Um, that's when my life with my father, those adventures we went on, the, the you know, heading off into the trees in the storm to find powder when everybody else was going into the lodge, uh, driving down to Mexico to surf uh, where my grandparents lived and getting into all kinds of crazy adventures in the jungles and so forth. <laughs> uh, all that stuff began to look different now. It's, as I, you know, it was just normal life when I was a kid and after the crash. And then I started to see, wait a second, there's something kind of extraordinary here and maybe worth sharing. And um, that's when it started to come alive for me again as, as something I wanted to write about. Well, I mean, this clearly is, um, um, you know, it, it's quite a story, but it's quite a story of inspiration for so many other people that are, you know, in a tough place. And we're going to talk a little bit about you know, what this meant for you. But I guess one of the things that I think so many of us um, think about, those of us that have read the book, is, you know, how all your father's and teachings, so to speak, prepared you for this moment. Everything that he had ever done with you, so to speak, gave you some tools and some skills um, that saved your life. And is that the way you see it? Yeah, that's, that's how I... 
see the the story, and that's what motivated me to write the story. Um, once I started to look into it, I saw. Do you suffer from insomnia, body aches, fatigue, brain fog, digestive problems, weight gain, or anxiety? You may be dealing with unmanaged stress. The Stress Detective looks for the hidden messages within your stress and partners with you to create a wellness program to dismantle stress from the inside out. Learn to manage your stress and you can stop illness in its tracks. Call Susan Tyler at 888-629-4949 or visit StressDetective.net. Are you tired or struggling to get to where you want to be in your life? Want some help getting to that next level? Hi, I'm Dr. Melody Ivory, personal growth expert and passionate champion of your complete success. I'm excited to give you powerful books, teas, and coaching to help you easily transform your life from the inside out. Now is the time to make your life sing. Visit MelodyIvory.com for free articles, poetry, and affirmations. That's MelodyIvory.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, Call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. We're talking here with uh, Norman Olstead, author of Crazy for the Storm, A Memoir of Survival. Uh, Norman, thank you so much for joining the show today. I mean, you know, clearly this is a best-selling book. This is a book and a story of interest to so many people. Um, and we were talking about what this was like for you at, uh, you know, this young 11-year-old in the middle of a blizzard after a plane crash, literally one of the survivors, and now you have to make a decision as to what you're going to do. Um, do you stay on the hill or do you move down? And most people thinking about this would say, how does an 11-year-old, you know, make a decision like that? And how does an, an 11-year-old have the skill you know, we're talking an 8,600-foot mountain, and 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 so there's a backdrop to this. There's a story to this, and I wanted to ask you about what this meant for you at this point in time. The decision to go down, if you thought about it, or if everything you learned from your dad automatically kicked in. I think it automatically kicked in. I think, um, you know, all those years of Mainly it was surfing and skiing and, you know, fighting through stuff to get to some good snow or to capture a couple of good waves um, taught me that, uh, you know, that, that it's, there's a road to get to something. Um, and that, that's the process. Um, and I dealt with fear along the way. I, I learned how to trust my intuition. I learned how to think for myself. Um, and uh, not that my dad wasn't protecting me. He was very loving and stuff, but it was just those things we did together were, you know, I, I was out there in the in the elements and, and dealing with, with what comes with that. So on the mountain in the plane crash, I was able to, first of all, I was in shock, um, automatic body function that happens, and and then that allowed me, I think, to just tap right into that stuff that was there and available and that I had exercised through my life um, and just assessed what was going on, was aware of of 
what could distract me and sort of crush me uh, with my father probably dead or at least knocked out and unavailable to help, and we're up on this mountain. Um, but a few things. One is I've been on a lot of mountainsides at this height in storms just like this. This time, so you were I, I, so you were you were familiar with the conditions that were going on. Yeah, it was a, a blizzard. You know, usually I had goggles and skis and stuff. If I had that, exactly. I could down easily. But I just had tennis shoes and no gloves or hat, and uh, so that added added to the challenge. But um, I I under, you know I understood that you had to pay attention to the terrain. I discerned that it was icy. And that if I slipped, I would keep slipping, um, you know, things that just came with skiing a lot, ski racing, and so forth. So, um, it, it, but more importantly, I think it was sort of a psychological thing that my dad showed me, which was, which was the kind of ability to take something and, and keep it, keep it in proportion, keep it in, in, in an area that you can deal with it sort of psychologically and don't let it unravel. Um, so basically what was in front of me, it's kind of like an expression in a poker expression. You got to play the, play the cards you're dealt, play the hand you're dealt. Yep. So this is what I had. So this is what I had to use, like wishing for other things or contemplating other things and just counterproductive. I just sort of instinctually knew that. Well, you know, isn't it interesting that we're talking about that because, you know, this is such a lesson for so many people living in the times we live in now, but not quite the same. You know, here you are, plane crash, realizing your dad had just died, and you're with a woman who is pretty pretty banged up, uh, you know, to, to make the journey downhill, but you and she decide to do that. Your next move is to start to go down. Uh, did you feel responsible for her at some level? Yeah, I mean, I did. I um, It was my decision to go down. Actually, she didn't want to go down. and uh, We were under the wing, and there was a break in the storm, and a helicopter actually uh, appeared through a kind of open pocket in the clouds. And I scrambled out from under the wing and the limbs of the tree and waved at it, and uh, it was right above me, but, I, you know, they didn't see me. So they flew away, and at that moment I saw the rooftop of a cabin way down at the bottom of some winding canyons and ravines. And I thought, well, if I can get to that cabin in the middle of nowhere there, at least we'll have shelter, and we'll be out off this mountain. And, uh, and who knows what else, you know, the cabin might lead to something else. There might be food in there or something. So I kind of made this map in my mind of how to get there, mark you know, some markings, along the way and uh not not too long after that the second wave of the storm came and it was much more intense it was snowing harder it was windier it was colder i was told that it was 10 degrees there during the day we crashed in the morning and i knew eventually night was going to come and i wanted to get ahead of the, the the gang there and so i told sandra my, my dad's girlfriend that you know we got to go down and um she resisted, but eventually, you know, I said, look, we're going, so let's go. And um, we got on our stomachs, and, and I broke off some limbs to use as kind of makeshift ice axes, and we started down this icy face, and she was above me with her 
boots kind of on my shoulder and the top of my head to kind of leverage because it was weak and just not focused. Right, right, right. She was so, banged up uh, from the uh, crash. What? She was pretty banged up from the crash. Yeah, she had a dislocated shoulder and she had a wound in her head. Mm. Forehead. So, you know, then you began to take the journey downhill. And, you know, so whenever we, the best laid plans, right, Norman? I mean, <laughs> the best laid plans sometimes take on a life of their own. Uh, and, you know, you are the only survivor. So the journey down really pressed you to the point of manhood probably way before you ever expected. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was, I was descending away from my father who's dead. In the plane wreckage on the side of a mountain, and I'm, I'm, you know, this kind of has a, you know, uh, a, a sort of narrative arc to it. Where here I am now, I'm going on, you know, I have to go on this journey on my own. It's pretty interesting, um, and uh, I got to fend for myself and and hope that all the things that I did with my father. I don't think he was purposely necessarily passing them on to me. He was just trying to share his passions and get me involved in life. That was his whole, that was his whole MO to just to get in there and go for it. And that's what it was all about. Uh, it just so happened that I learned some skills and some psychological skills that, that were very helpful on this day. And it just, you know, they, they had to either work or not work. There was no sort of like dress rehearsal, you know? Mm. So you know, as you just as you make your way down, there's a series of events that certainly do happen. And what I'm really drawn to, and, and contrasted by Norman, is the fact that the way that this story goes, it was purely an act of courage. And yet, you talk about being scared most of your life as a youngster. Um, and I'd love to talk about that for a minute. Um, you know, because we're talking about some of the skills that you learned early on, which have helped you be so courageous right now. It's as if all of the fear that you may have experienced at different points in time of your life with your dad sort of fell away to this place of survival and courage and strength to be able to make your way down. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's, that's what happened. Um, I mean, I think I got, you know, by by being scared um, doesn't always mean something's wrong. You mm-hmm. know? Often it's just part of the experience, part of the the process of getting to good stuff. So, for example, you know, we're, we're uh, in a storm at a ski resort, and my dad says, hey, you know, I think there's going to be some good powder back in these trees over here. We have to get on the chairlift and this chairlift's going to swing around and then we get off the chairlift and we got to hike through these trees and you kind of feel lost and snow's sloughing away. And, um, that, that stuff's scary when you're nine years old, 10 years old. Um, but then you, you, you find this little patch of powder and you have these great turns and, uh, it all is sort of worth it. And you understand that fear is, just part of this larger process. And um, I think doing that enough 
made me comfortable with it. So being afraid up there was just, you know, one of the, the many things in front of me. Also, it was pretty technical, that first thousand feet. So, I mean, I was, I was preoccupied with each, each kind of contour in the snow and how it was changing from crust to ice and so forth. And, and so that, that took a lot of my um, conscious mind, mm-hmm. you know, right onto that stuff. Well, um, and that's, the, that's another thing your dad also talked to you, taught you, this, you know, incredible concentration and focus to be able to do the things you did with him. Um, yeah. Boy, I'll tell you, it really is clear in reading the book that that level of focus and determination um, showed up at the right time for you. Absolutely. And, and it's a it's a it's a skill that that you know everybody has. But if you if you exercise it, there's there's also something. You know, the other side I was trying to sort of show in the book. There's something really beautiful about putting your mind on something and focusing on it. Whatever it is, again, it doesn't have to be surfing and skiing. That just happened to be our things. It could be whatever. There's there's a satisfaction and a kind of connectedness that comes with that that uh, I was trying to share with the reader that, um, you know, should be valued more, maybe, or at least, you know, be made aware of. That just that simple thing of being focused and determined is is somehow very satisfying. <laughs> I, you know, it, this is a, such a really important point, and I got that from the book um, and from your message, because this idea of focus is is really challenging for people right now, Norman. I mean, you know, the world we live in pulls us in a gazillion different directions, and then we wonder why we're struggling to get any one thing really done and done right. And so this is, a, a, you know, what I'd love to talk with you about when we come back from break. But before before we go, I wanted to let everybody know the book is called uh, Crazy for the Storm, A Memoir of Survival. Norman Olstadt joining us here today. This is a New York Times best-selling book. We've got some questions coming in for you as well, uh, Norman. And one of the things I want to just mention to everyone that you can find out lots more um, about the book, uh, you know, if you go to our website, drpatlive.com, we have a link right there. It'll take you right to the page about the book, about Norm, a photo album, and much more. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. And how did Norman come up with the title of the book, Crazy for the Storm? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. And my very special guest today, Norman Olstadt, joining me, best-selling author, and much more. We'll be right back. Would you like increased health and vitality? Would you like relief from acute or chronic health issues? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? Would you like relief from allergy, weight, and digestive issues? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural technique. Whether you seek relief from health issues or desire to live at your optimum health and vitality, contact reflex analysis is a profound method which detects imbalances at a subclinical level, restoring health issues before they arise while increasing vitality and longevity. Discover CRA. 
Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Every day we're moving toward wellness or away from wellness. I'd like to be your partner in achieving your optimal health and well-being. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Reach your full potential and increase energy with the superfood of the Inca, Maca Magic. Maca naturally balances hormones, relieves symptoms of PMS, menopause, and erectile dysfunction. Maca increases energy, stamina, and endurance without caffeine. Visit MacaRoot.com. That's M-A-C-A Root.com. Call 541-846-6222. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Living your life to the max means that you can have everything you want. Empowerment Psychic Linda Dickinson can show you where you're headed and teach you how to change your future. Linda will share with you the messages of those who have passed before you. For a private session, visit InMyFuture.com or call 800-206-9096. Listen to Linda Dickinson on The Dr. Pat Show. Call in and hear how you can be the producer, director, and lead in your life. Today is the day to start living your life to the max. Welcome back to The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am so thrilled to have uh, this best-selling author, Norman Olstadt, joining us here today for a lot of reasons. The book that he has written, Crazy for the Storm, A Memoir of Survival, is actually that and much more. Let me just tell you, for those of you that are just tuning in, listen to a bit of what Norman writes in the book. And he goes on to say, on February 19th, 1979, I was in a plane crash with my father and his girl, my father, his girlfriend Sandra, and the pilot of our chartered Cessna. Sandra was 30 years old, my dad was 43, I was 11. Just after sunrise, we slammed into a rugged 8,600 foot mountain engulfed in a blizzard. By the end of our nine hour ordeal, I was the only survivor. And, you know, Norman, I, I want to ask you, and we've got a couple questions coming in, you know, having read that uh, and knowing that, that you were the only survivor, what was, one of, what was or what is the most important skill that your father taught you that shows up first pretty much in everything that you do? Um, well, focus and determination like we talked about. Yeah. Um, and I think the, what's sort of below that or the sort of the engine that's driving that is, is that is that I have passion for things. You know, there, there's a passion there that he cultivated in me. And um, there are times when I, when I lose touch with it to, just to a degree. And, uh, and it's always about kind of rekindling it that gets me back on track. Um, so I have to say that that, that may be the, the ultimate thing he taught me. Well, passion and focus, clearly, I mean, those two things are really a recipe for uh, a great life in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I think many of us get to read this book on what this was like for you uh, without talking very much about the aftermath, you know, the realization that you have survived and, you know, here you are now. 
you know, what was then your life like? Uh, you know, who did you, who were you able to call on to actually help raise you from that point on? Um, well, I, I, I was lucky. I had a, a godmother, a um, close friend of the family who was a, a child therapist who had a nursery school, and she was always, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with her, and she was like my second mom in a way. And um, she she kept the dialogue alive, the idea alive that you know I would be in pain, that I would have anger about it, that I would feel loss. And even though I at that time thought, well, I don't I don't do that, you know what I mean? I don't go there, and that's you know I'm fine, and I'm just moving on. It was something about her keeping that alive kind of allowed me unconsciously to to have space for that. I think that was really important. Um, another important thing was getting back into surfing uh, because that's where the passion was and that's where the, the life with my father, one of the places that in skiing, uh, existed. It was able to kind of get me back in touch with joy and self-confidence and something like going out and, and being in the water, getting off land, riding some waves really clears your mind. It helps give you kind of perspective on what's going on. And, um, and that, and that sort of got me back into the, in touch with my dad and, and kept him around alive for me. And that was important because he was such a driving force and a kind of mentor for me. So, um, I think those two things were sort of the biggest, the biggest elements that, um, kept me, got me through some of the initial grief and pain, didn't resolve it, but just gave me a way to, to move through it in a healthy way and not sort of have it become self-destructive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, that you say that because that is so important in learning how to cope with some of the difficulties in life. But there was a point where you were furious, I remember reading, uh, in the book, uh, the point where I believe you you finally got down to um, uh, you know the meadow, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you know you described the situation about uh, not being cold anymore, being angry to the point of being hot, and I wanted to ask you about that moment. What was it that got your attention? What was it, you know, after that sense of accomplishment that you've had of being able to get down? What was it that came to you, the realization that you had in that moment? Well, I think, you know, it was the first time I was on even ground. So I'd spent, you know, at that point about eight hours, 50-degree pitches, 40-degree pitches, 35, broken rock, ice, and all of a sudden I'm on even ground and I can just stand and relax and unclench and... um I think it released, you know, the the psyches of mystery, but it released something in me of of what what else was going on, which was, you know, that my father was probably dead and I saw this violence and I'm young and I know there's something unnatural and wrong about this and the sadness or whatever made me angry. Um, and I, I became very yeah, agitated and angry in that moment. I almost kind of wanted to give up and rebel against um, this this sort of courage I had for eight hours. It's, it, you know, 
the psyche is a very interesting thing for sure. And, you know, this is really, uh, as we take a look at your life and your journey and the influence that your dad has, how have you been able to now carry forth everything you've learned and pass that on to your son? You know, what has this been like for you to say, here, now I am, and I I have this this young person in my life. Do I do the things that my dad did to with me, how how do I raise this young person? Well, I mean, uh, the, the world has changed, and 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 uh, I'm you know a different person than my father. I share a lot of the same passions and attitudes, um, but we are different. Um, and um, so I do, I you know, raise my son in, uh, slightly differently. Although you know, I. He skis. He's on the Mammoth Ski Team, a local mountain out of L.A., um, and he, we surf together. This summer now he's at surf camp, but I've taken him to Hawaii and Panama and all these places surfing, and, and we ski together. Um, and I introduced these things to him, kept him involved, let him sort of pass and not do it sometimes and sort of work his own way into it. So it was a much more kind of like soft, soft introduction and sort of push into these things. I, I introduced him to a lot of things, uh, hockey, um, soccer, all these things. And the, the two things that he's sort of now really into is the surfing and the skiing. Um, wow. wow. So it's interesting. And, and I, and rarely did I push him. There are times, certain days, certain moments where I did push him. I said, look, we, we're going here now because the conditions are perfect. You're ready, and it's just time to – we've got to just make it happen here. And um, and sometimes he would fight me on it. We'd do it, and then it was – after it was done, he was excited and happy he did it. There are times I pushed him too far where I myself, we would do a run. I, I can remember skiing. It's happened surfing, but this one time skiing, we did this run called Dave's Run, which is pretty formidable black diamond and and he did it no problem. It was not even an issue. And I said, oh, well, let's cut over here. There's another shot. And on the way over, it was icy, and then we got trapped in this kind of gully, and it was a, not a good situation. <laughs> he was crying. I was like, oh, God, I made a mistake. But, you know, we made it down, and, and uh, that mistake and that process is something we went through together, and I think is, is, is just as important as having these, you know, sort of, perfect successes. I think it's okay to make mistakes and just, you know, that's just part of doing life. And he learned from it too. And um, so um, that that's how I do it. Well, you know, you know, part of this is, is so important for us to remember and bring forward to today. Um, what's the most important thing in your life right now, Norman? Most important thing in my life is, 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 Staying, well, you know, my son is, you know, as an object is the most important thing. I mean, he's like the thing I sort of focus everything around. But but in order to be there for him, I, I just, I'm really into trying to find, always trying to find the path and the way that's that's healthy and and full of energy and passion and just engaged and, and 
you know, into life. I'm trying to really, that, that's what it's about for me is staying really into life and getting, doing and participating. Um, it's easy to kind of, maybe speaking for myself, but it's easy to kind of get turned off and, and back off and, and just sort of think about the, the negative stuff or, you know, what's not exactly right. And uh, I really focus on, you know, finding and grasping and indulging in, in what's good and what's healthy and happening for me. So that's kind of how I go at it. I love it. I want to tell everybody that uh, if you've missed any part of this conversation, you'll be able to get all of this later on today. Norman Olstead joining us here today, New York Times bestselling author, Crazy for the Storm. When we come back, we'll be asking Norm how he came up with the title for the book. Um, it's an amazing book. The journey will keep you on your, the edge of your seat. So many lessons in here and what it means to have a life that is so full of meaning challenge and optimism at the same time Uh, my very special guest here today if you want to find out more go to our website drpatlive.com we've got a link right there be able to take you to information about the book information about norman and much more stay tuned we'll be right back with the show Athletes, diabetics, moms, let me tell you about a new high-tech energy gel called Chocolate Number 9. Chocolate Number 9 is made with only organic agave and the finest dark roast Belgian cocos. Number 9 contains no refined sugar. Number 9 is a certified low glycemic index item, and best of all, Chocolate Number 9 simply tastes great. Find out more at chocolatenumber9.com or call 866-999-1909. That's 866-999-1909. Are you tired of being overweight and nothing you try can get you to lose the weight and keep it off? What if there was a way to lose the weight that didn't involve dieting, buying other people's food, counting points, or having risky surgery? I'm Cheryl Manchester from Positive Changes Hypnosis to share some successes from people just like you. Janine Crosby lost 89 pounds in 10 months. Brenda Eckel lost 75 pounds and went from a size 22 to a size 8. She is completely free from her insulin for diabetes. Becky Miller lost 65 pounds and went from a size 18 to a 6. Bill Birdsong lost 105 pounds and a total of 14 inches off his waist. His pant size went from a 50 to a 36. Make a lasting change in your life. Call Positive Changes in Bellevue at 888-311-7157 to schedule a free consultation. That number again is 888-311-7157. You heard about it last year. You even thought about entering, but didn't. Now, life is giving you a second chance, announcing your second chance to change from the inside out with Dr. Pat's 2010 Holistic Makeover. So get on board. Winners will embark on a journey to make powerful change with the help and support of an entire team of coaches. Want to be a winner? Fill out the survey and tell your inspired story and how you plan to pay it forward. Go to drpatsmakeover.com. That's drpatsmakeover.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. For more information about us, certainly go check us out at drpatlive.com. What a great, great book, 
Crazy for the Storm, a memoir of survival. So many lessons. Norman Olstead joining me here today. He is the author, best-selling author. And as I read this book, and I was telling Norman during the break, that I actually felt like I was on that mountain with him. It is written so beautifully. It's one of these books that you pick up and read that it isn't necessarily all intellectual. You get the sense that you're, 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 you're with them as they're surfing and, and feeling the adventure of that. The way that Norman has written this book is just so beautiful. But that journey down, for me, put me right at the edge of my seat, right there with him. Uh, some of the things that folks say about it is that tragic and exotic adrenaline-fueled excitement. Uh, and, yeah, that's true, but there are so many lessons that can be learned from this individual's survival. At 11 years old, made it down a mountain, the only survivor of a plane crash, now to be writing about his experience, his journey in this book, Crazy for the Storm. Norman, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you so much for finally writing the book. And the title, Crazy for the Storm, let's talk about that a little bit. Is that something that you came up with, and what's the meaning of it? Um, Yeah, uh, the meaning is, it sort of has two meanings. One One is that I think part of the whole thrust of my dad's message was to be crazy for the storm is is a valuable mindset because the storm is coming. It's it's sort of always here, and if you're crazy for it and you sort of embrace it, and um, you you'll find you'll get some joy out of it. You'll 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 find the good stuff in there, and uh, it'll make life a lot easier. Um, as opposed to sort of running from it or, or trying to shelter yourself, it's going to come find you anyway. So you might as well be crazy for it. And then the other side of it is that there is something a little crazy about some of the stuff we were doing. So it has, it has double meaning and, um, and sort of like life is two sides to, to the coin there. You know, in the end, you were the only survivor of an incredible journey. And, um, and, and have decided to, to write about it and just have written about it so beautifully, Norman. I mean, honestly, you know, it, it is everything that, that people say this book is. Um, as you reflect back on this particular book, uh, is there anything that you wish you would have said or said differently? No. Actually, I, uh, I worked hard on that book and, and um you know poured poured through everything and sifted through it and um it's definitely definitely what i what i wanted to to say mm. when you finally did get down and as we were talking about in the last segment down to the meadow um you had no idea of what to expect but your survival mechanisms kicked in at that point in time, there you were, you had made it down. What was next? Uh, are you talking about from the meadow? Yes. Point at the meadow. Yeah, well, the meadow was an interesting thing because it was the first even ground, and um, that was good. And I knew the cabin was nearby, but there was a very dense forest and buckthorn bush between me and this cabin. And I couldn't find a way out of the meadow. 
Um, and I began to, and night was starting to, to come on there. I, it was getting darker. And um, I, I started to feel like, God, I went all this way, and, and this is where I'm going to get stuck. And I came upon some footprints underneath some of the bush at the, at the rim of, of this meadow. And um, I, I couldn't believe it. They were fresh prints. They were boot prints. And I began to follow them through, not even like a trail, just a kind of way through, <laughs> uh, little wedged openings through this buckthorn bush and stuff. And I was slipping and sliding and going and going. And then 20 minutes later, it, it opened up onto this dirt road where the snow line stopped. And it was just dirt, kind of wet, slushy stuff. And um, that was like a yellow brick road. I mean, these, these boot prints led me back. You know, led me to the final on the final leg to safety. And as I wandered down this road, knowing that the, the cabin was close by, I ran across a teenage boy who was coming up the road with his dog, and he took me uh, down to a ranch house near Baldy Village, which is a little outpost of houses up in the mountains there. What was it that went through your heart, your soul, when you saw this boy? Um, I mean, it was just, it was, uh, well, uh, I was shocked. I mean, he was kind of more shocked than I was. Uh-huh. I was, <laughs> he, you know, stopped in his tracks, and here I am. I got, you know, wounds and dried blood, and my knuckles, my first knuckle on both hands was, the bone was sticking out raw, and and uh, his little, I was a little kid, you know, so it kind of blew, blew his mind. He didn't know what to make of it. And uh, I explained to him what was going on. He had heard that there was an airplane crash, actually, which is another part of the story. It's kind of interesting. But um, I, uh, when he picked me up, he picked me up and carried me down this, this fire road. Um, I, you know, I had the, the first real shot of pain and grief. Mm. My father was dead, and that I had sort of like left him up there, and here I was. And the mountain was still covered in clouds and storm, and it was a pretty intense moment for me. Mm. Yeah, it's like the whole event is right in front of you, isn't it? Like for the first time, there it is. There it is. You look back up, and there's the canvas of of everything that happened, it's all splattered up there on that mountain. And um, and I'm sort of looking at it now, mm. what I just came out of, and it sort of hits you like, wow, I came out of that. And my dad's still up there in that, you know, big, big storm. Mm. Were there any thoughts about Sandra at that point? Yeah. Um, you know, I felt, I knew she was dead. I'd come across her body about an hour after she slipped on that initial descent. And um, I felt responsible uh, because I was the one that said, we got to go down. Mm. Um, so there was, it wasn't exactly guilt like um, people describe. It was just more that I, I was responsible for it. And I kind of felt the weight of that. Yes. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, it was sort of in such survival mode, I understood on some level that 
it was torn. You know, I was responsible. That was my decision. And then at the same time, look, you know, it's survival. You're up there. Everybody's doing what they can. And some people come out and some people don't. I mean, there's my mind was able to kind of hold these two sort of opposing thoughts. Mm-hmm. Independently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Norman, thank you so much for joining us today. What a fabulous story. It's so, so great to finally meet you. And what's next for you in the book? Well, um, this, the paperback came out in May, and so I'm sort of wrapping up that, that, uh, all the promotion for that. And, um, I'm working on a new book about the, um, next part of life, which is sort of like, how do you, you know, boy that's lost, had such a loss, uh, like I had, and, um, was sort of my story was written for me. I was a survivor and sort of uh-huh. invincible in some ways. How do I, how did I go on and, and take that journey of, of love, you know, finding love again and passion? And and um, so that journey is very interesting to me and um, the process of, of that and how those those relationships I had, one of them in particular was hit me harder than the airplane crash ever hit me or the death of my father ever hit me. And mm. So interesting how that's where, you sort of come to terms with a lot of things and a lot of things come out of you and stuff through a relationship. Wow. Uh, you know, as a man, I wouldn't see it that way. I would think that the crash and the grief and somewhere else it would come out, but it was through a relationship that it all sort of came out. And, um, and so I'm fascinated with that journey. Well, and that's uh, the next chapter that we will stay on the edge of our seats waiting to receive. Thank you, Norman, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Wow. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. Honestly, if you've missed any part of this uh, conversation, please uh, go ahead and listen to it. But it really doesn't even come close to what you'll experience from reading, reading the book Crazy for the Storm. We'll see you next time on The Dr. Pat Show. Listening to the Dr. Pat Show, radio to thrive by. To contact Dr. Pat, visit thedrpatshow.com. Tune in next Thursday for another dynamic hour of the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili.